All right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, my name is Christina Singh, and you are listening to Grown Woman. Um, this is a podcast that examines all of the small ways in which women are successful. Um, I love talking to women about their stories, um, their vulnerabilities, who they are, where they come from, and what they're doing now. Um, and I am so, so happy to be back recording this podcast. Um, I had a wonderful moment a week ago at a conference um, that I will talk about during this episode, but that really helped me shift my perspective on this podcast and coming to a place of flow and, and learning that I actually really love doing this and I love talking to women about their stories and just because sometimes it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. So um, I am really excited to be back and the first person I thought of to interview during this time was my dear friend Stephanie, Stephanie Vershow. Um, She is the founder of SV Empowerment. She is a coach, an energy healer, and a speaker, um, and overall just a wonderful human being. Um, and she has been on this podcast before. So she was episode three. So, um, and if you have not listened to that first episode, I highly encourage you to do so because we talked about Stephanie's journey um, through the corporate world and how she left working for a major corporation to start her own coaching practice. Um, so definitely go check that out. We really deep dive into social norms in co the corporations that we're working for, um, insecurities, you know, what, what is good and what is not good or seen as best practices in the corporate world. And it's such a great interview. Um, so welcome back, Stephanie. I am so, so excited to be interviewing you again. And thank you for doing this and jumping in with me again. Yes, I am so excited to be here with you, Christina. Thank you for having me again. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I sent you an email um, like two days ago and <laughs> um, basically outlined my experience at this conference that I went to called Power Her Financials that was held by our friend Trisha Tate um, of the Art of Money Matters. And she essentially through this conference, and I will be interviewing Trisha very soon in about two weeks, so I'm really excited to talk to her more about this. But during this conference, um, there was a roundtable discussion with a group of women, and one of the um, moderators was talking to women about their vulnerabilities. A woman in the roundtable just really shared some deeply personal moments, and uh, she shared that when you do something you love, it feels like flow. And I was sitting there listening to these women and these stories and talking to them. And I was like, holy crap, this feels like flow. This is so great. This is what I want to be doing. So we're back. And I emailed, I outlined that story in an email to Stephanie because I knew You're I could so share beautiful. that with her. <laughs> and I said, Stephanie, will you come back on and do this show with me? Because I know I can be vulnerable with you. And I think people really need to hear about your work right now. We are in the middle of a global pandemic, um, which has been affecting everyone in various ways. But I know the energy right now for a lot of people is really heavy. Um, so I thought we could talk about that. And first and foremost, I wanted to follow up on our conversation that we had the last time and talk about your business. Um, so when we wrapped up our conversation, we'd kind of gone through the timeline of you in the corporate world. And we talked about how you were feeling 
having like symptomatic, like sickness, uh, like symptoms in your body, like mm-hmm. hives and feeling really horrible and stomach pains. And you uh, joined this coaching program and you started your own business. Um, so what I wanted to ask you first and foremost is how did you start your coaching business? And um, I know we talked about your first client and getting paid through um, like Venmo and all that stuff. And <laughs> Um, but you took a chance and you joined this networking group that we're both in. What led you to do that? Like, where did you, why did you take that big step in coaching first and foremost? And what led you to really like put yourself out there in that way? Yeah, I think when the transition happened between corporate and coaching was me, you know, the coaching came from organically me wanting to help myself. And knowing that therapy could have been a great avenue, but I had done therapy before and I knew coaching was a little bit different. So it's almost, it came out of a really difficult time of me literally just wanting to feel better. I felt so unfulfilled. And you know, when just like something is not working out and you're shoving it and pushing it and controlling it and you're like, this has to work out. And that's what the last few years in corporate felt like. So coaching came out of like, all right, clearly this is not working out. I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Let me find self-help and we'll see what happens in the process. So that's how coaching came about. It wasn't necessarily a planned path. It was more organically. I was led to that because of my own discomfort. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people who might listen to this can relate to that, especially right now. I think a lot of people are being faced with, um, am I happy doing what I've been doing? Um, Mm -hmm. is this the time for me to pivot to being more creative or, um, doing something different? What are some of the biggest things you've learned in your years of coaching from just starting until now? Cause I know you've launched so many different programs and workshops and worked on your speaking and you've been interviewed and you know, all of these things. So what are, what's the biggest thing that you've taken away from this process so far? Well, I think the biggest thing to talk about quickly, what you said at the beginning that people aren't happy during everything that's going on now. I think that I always say in that it's like, don't give up because my solution, my answer, my purpose, my mission came because I was so persistent on like, there has to be a better way to live. And I think right now people are having more time, which they haven't had in a really long time. So the main, the two main things that I've heard in the past couple months since this pandemic is, um, do I want to continue doing this with my life? Like I've known for a while that I've been unhappy and now I realize like I'm actually really unhappy, but I don't know how to go about it. So in those moments of like, what's going on with my life right now? And I can't avoid it. Like, I can't say I'm too busy because that doesn't exist, right? Like, (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, So I think in those moments, it's like, okay, well, what makes you happy? What brings you joy in this moment? Maybe what brings you joy is reading or cooking or art. And if you're asking yourself, that has nothing to do with making money, right? But in that process of you discovering your joy, that's in that process that you're going to get the idea, the thought, the, the guidance on what to do next. So for me, when I was super unhappy and I was like, all I've done was marketing. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Coaching brought me happiness. And I never in a million years thought that I was going to open up my own coaching business. Mm. So for in that minute, I was just looking to feel better. 
And this program was a way for me to feel better. It gave me hope, inspiration, joy, self-help. And in that process is what I realized like, this is what I'm meant to do. So it's probably never going to be a good moment, but it's like continue persisting on what brings me happiness right now in this moment. I think that is so powerful. Do something you want to do that will bring joy into your life because you have no idea where that will lead you. I think it's so powerful that you are like, I'm unhappy. What can I do to bring joy into my life? And I think it's so great that you just said never in a million years did I think I would be opening up my own coaching practice Mm -mm. or just doing something to make yourself feel better. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people can relate to that right now in this situation. Um, Can you talk about what you're hearing right now? Um, You know, obviously confidentiality and everything, but right now from your clients during this period and like kind of the overarching themes that you're hearing right now, um, while people are struggling to find joy in these moments? Yeah, I think that the two main things is people, the decisions that they've been avoiding for a long time, they're, they're having to face it, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, you know what? I have been unhappy in my, in my job for many years, but I never had a time to put my, you know, my feet down or think about it or question it because I was just going to work and then, exhausted and sleeping. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like those questions that, or relationships, I've been in a relationship, I know I've been unhappy, um, or I've been wanting to move to a new city, like all those things that, all those desires that we have that we sort of are like, we can't, we're too busy, we have to work, we have this to do. Now they're resurfacing. So and everything that people have been avoiding, it's been resurfacing, and they're having to come to terms with it. And the second component is people realizing that they don't really know themselves. They've been on this conveyor belt of wake up, work, sleep, potentially drink, eat, sleep, like, you know, Monday through Friday, avoiding Saturday, Sunday. They've almost forgotten who they are. And I was Mm. having a conversation with a client on, did you ever see that movie Runaway Bride with uh, Julia Roberts? Yeah. (laughs) Where she orders like the seven different types of eggs. Yeah. Because depending on who she, so if you, for those of you listening, if you haven't watched the movie, She's about to get married and breaks up and gets married and breaks up. And she realizes that she doesn't even know what kind of eggs she liked because she ate the eggs of whatever partner she was with. So if they like scrambled, she orders scrambled. If she like fried, you know, she ordered fried. And then she goes to a diner. She's like, give me every single type of egg. She tries them all. She's like, I want to figure out like, how do I like my egg? So I think people in this time, it's like, I want to figure out who I am. What kind of eggs do I like? Right. What egg am I? (laughs) What egg am I? Because I've been in this loop of this, like constantly just getting stuff done that I've forgotten. Do I like classical music or do I like country music? Do I like dresses or do I like sweatpants? Do I like makeup or no makeup? Do I like nails? Like, what do I want to do? Who am I? Mm -hmm. So they're using this period to discover themselves. And at the beginning, that can be really scary right? Because it's like your late 20s, early 30s. I have clients that are in their 50s. And they're like, wow, I have no idea what I like, who I am, what I want to do with my life. So those are the two things that this pandemic and a a beautiful gift um, and a blessing has risen to the surface. Yeah. Wow. That is so 
beautiful. And I think that's very powerful and definitely hits a spot with me, you know, with my experience last week and being like, oh, right. I really enjoy this. I really love this. Is there anything that you personally are discovering? Um, any, any new eggs that you're discovering? Any new eggs. Oh, that's really good. So I love that. So earlier this morning, um, one of the eggs that I discovered is that I, I consider myself like a recovering people pleaser right? Um, I'm a forever (laughs) people pleaser, right? We've related on that many ways. And this morning I had an experience that I, it came up again. That's like, whoa, I still want to please people, even though, even if it means that it's not the right thing for me. So I think something that I'm discovering about myself, it's the people pleasing journey, the recovery of being a people pleaser is probably a forever journey. And it's always important for me to keep myself in check because even though when I don't please somebody, it's really uncomfortable, but stay anchored, right? Like if I'm in within integrity and if I'm doing the right thing and I'm coming from the right place, even if it's not going to please somebody else, it's okay. So I think that has been a new egg (laughs) that's come to surface. I definitely can relate to that egg. I, um, I'm wondering if you had a client coming to you, who's a people pleaser, Um, And they're kind of in the same boat that they're discovering this right now. Um, What are some things that you, what are some tools that you usually utilize to kind of crack through that particular egg? (laughs) I love this like egg. I love this egg train. I'm going to want to eat like 10 eggs. The egg train. So a lot of my clients are people pleaser. And I think that comes right right, uh, hand in hand with energy, right? So we attract for the most part who we are to some extent or another, um, the way, and I love that question. So the way I take my clients is just start by writing a list of what are the things that you don't like for sure. Cause people are so clear on what they do not like, right? Like I know for sure. I don't like horse bike riding. I know for sure. I don't like this. So first start by getting, I don't like this type of eggs, right? Like start getting really clear and then make another list on these are the things that I don't know. Mm. So whether it's you want to take a new hobby, you want to quit your job, you want to break up with your partner, you want to be in a relationship, like whatever the things that you still have a question mark and start picking one by one and applying those things into your life, right? So if you want to change your job, well, what job would it be like? And if you're like, I have no idea, pick a job. Would I want to be an actor? I don't, even if it seems crazy, because again, for me, coaching seemed crazy at the time. Yeah. Like I literally did a 180 in my career when it came from being a marketer in a corporate job to going from being an entrepreneur and owning a business. It's a 180. So start picking things that you're like, I thought about doing this and start interviewing people, asking people that are doing those jobs. Like, what is it like to be an actor? What is it like to, to do this? Because that way it's not just living in your mind. You're actually taking action and gathering information. And then you'll be like, wait, the idea of what I thought an actor is and what an actor really is, it's totally different. I want nothing to do with acting. Or maybe you're like, wow, it really inspired me. And maybe you start taking improv classes, but you start little by little, start taking action once you have it on paper. I love that. I actually give people the same advice because in my other world, I work full time for a nonprofit organization and for people who are coming into um, the nonprofit world and, and they're like, they're used to volunteering and they want to learn more about what it's actually like to work in this world. I always say you should start by volunteering and you should start by asking other employees exactly what their jobs look like. And I think that's so great. And I remember in our interview last time you had um, a training that you were doing and you were really um, 
faced with the notion of speaking in front of a ton of people. And so you talked about um, how you took improv classes and how you started taking improv to be a better speaker in front of people. And so I think your advice on people pleasing and finding out what you want is so great because you're not going to know until you do it is basically what you're saying. You're not going to know until you actually take action. Um, and I think also what you're talking about is the perception people have of you and that perception mm, yeah. that you, you'd come to understand that it's actually about the perception they have of themselves. But can you talk a little bit more about dealing with people's perceptions? Oh my goodness. That is, that is a tough one. Um, yeah. So basically what, what I heard you saying, it's, you know, you have a perception of yourself. Everybody around you is going to have their own perception of you and they're going to come at it from their own, like they're going to look at you the way they're looking at themselves. So it always ends up being like, you know, like in the circus or whatever, where there's like, you go into that room or you see in the scary movies where there's like a thousand different mirrors. Yeah. No, thank you, ma'am. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's how it is. Like we see each other, our, our own selves one way, everybody sees us another way. And if you're a people pleaser, you're constantly coming to, to conflict with that because it's like, I'm not that person. So I think in that case is getting really clear on, well, who are you? What do you stand for? first and foremost. And then in outside of that understanding that let's say in your everyday life, you come to contact between 15 to 20 people, your family, your friends, your coworkers, every day, 15 to 20 people that you're talking to 50, you know, 20 to 50 people. It's a fact that out of those 50 people, there's going to be 50 different perceptions of Stephanie, 50 different perceptions of Christina. Yeah. That's just the way we're created. It's the way we're able to explore the world. But if you're really clear on this is who I am, this is my integrity, these are my morals, these are my values, when somebody looks at you or perceives you another way, it's going to be so uncomfortable. And similar to what I was talking this morning, I came across a situation where somebody perceived me so different and it hit me to the core because I'm like, oh my God, like that's so not, that, like that's not who I am. But yet they yeah. have the right to look at me that way. So yeah. in that moment, I lived for a few minutes. It actually took me a good half an hour to be in that moment where it's like, I am so uncomfortable right now because I want to please them. I want, I want them to see me the way they want to see them. I don't want to create conflict. And yet there is conflict because they're yes. perceiving me to be in a person that I'm not. I think you are touching on something that it's amazing how much we can care about people pleasing, um, number one, but then also during a pandemic. <laughs> I think it's amazing how we still care what people think of us um, when we're all collectively going through something really, really difficult and um, just this huge change in all of our lives. But what you really are talking about is conflict. Um, I have a really hard time with conflict, and I know other people do as well, but I think it is about using your voice and speaking up and taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, when you're working with your clients and they might be the same way. Oh, for those of you who might be hearing in the background, there's birds chirping and we're, we're in New York there's, City. Right? We're in New York City. I don't know. We're, we're live people. There's it's no a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in 
anyway, back to, back to conflict. conflict. Um, <laughs> when you're working with your clients and, you know, maybe, maybe there are lots of people out there listening who um, hate conflict and hate dealing with conflict. Um, what are some tools that, I know we touched on some of the tools about, you know, being really uh, grounded in who you are in your beliefs and, and who you are as a person, but what are some tools that you um, utilize in your practice and for yourself um, when handling conflict? Yes, I think there's a few things with conflict. I think first is realizing and understanding that it's going to feel uncomfortable for most of us. Um, so, okay, it is uncomfortable. I don't like to feel this way, and yet I'm probably not going to, like something awful is not going to happen, right? It's going to feel like a sting. Like if you have a cut and you get some alcohol and you're like, this stings, this is uncomfortable, sit with it, right? Like I think it's understanding that we build our thick skin and our inner strength by sitting with that moment of I'm really uncomfortable right now. It is not my preference to be here. But know that that moment is yeah. short-lived. So this morning, I felt like half an hour that felt like three hours where I'm like, oh, I am so uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, just to be totally transparent, when we first got on the Zoom, Stephanie's like, I'm on fire. And yeah. it's like, I love that though, because you're living in that. I am living in that. I'm like, I'm not going to numb it. I'm not going to pretend it's not here. I'm not going to try to like eat something or drink something. It's like, ah, uh, so a lot of times if, I don't know if you're going to post the video, but what yeah, I mean, it's like I'm shaking my hand. So a lot of times with that energy, it's like, you literally want to shake it out of your system. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's uncomfortable. I'm going to shake it, let it out. Otherwise it begins to build in your own body. And that yeah. can eventually become something that um, hurts you like literally physically or emotional. So when you're in that conflict, it's like, ah, yes, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to shake it. I'm here. I'm feeling it. Within a few minutes, half an hour, sometimes it's 10 minutes, it literally dissipates because mm -hmm. at that point you've come face to face with it. I think what we most fear is that moment where the alcohol is touching the wound. Because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, what if my finger falls off? It's like, no, no, it, it's actually yeah. going to be okay. It's going to heal, but you need to feel that sting for those few minutes for the alcohol to begin to, to do what it does. Right. Because you need to feel you, that sting. Yes. Right. Because if you don't, if you don't feel that sting, if you don't feel what you feel, your wound is going to fester. It's going Precisely. to grow. I mean, you talked about in our last podcast, the fact that you were in pain at work and you would come That was the home. wound infesting because I wasn't doing yeah. anything about it. So that lasted almost two years of like right. avoiding, ignoring, drinking, sleeping, isolating, because I'm like, this is so scary. But the minute I was like, I need help. I want to feel better. What mm -hmm. do I do? I was led and guided through the coaching. And then here we are. If I yeah. wouldn't have done something, who knows what, how long that would have lasted and how my health and impact and the consequences that would have had in my life. Exactly. I think that's so wonderful. And, and it's hard. It's hard to feel that sting. It's so hard, hard to feel what you need to feel. And I think a lot of people in this world let the, their, let their wounds fester, let it just happen. Let the wounds fester. But on that note, it is hard and yet we are stronger. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's like reminding ourselves that we can do hard things like the cut and the alcohol and the, and the sting is hard and it hurts. And we are built 
to be able to process those emotions and to be able to feel the sting and get healed through the process. Otherwise, it wouldn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to relate it back to this, you know, body metaphor that we're using is your wounds are meant to heal. Like when you yes. do the proper things to take care of a, a cut or a scrape, your body will heal. So if you're doing those things emotionally, that will happen as well. And I think that's very, very important right now. I think, you know, right now from what I'm witnessing from in people's various phases of life currently is that they're having a hard time mentally. Um feeling their emotions or taking care of themselves and healing. Um, You are someone who has practiced taking care of yourself in consistent ways. Where did that come from? Wow. Yeah. Um, So I think I got tired of growing up. I was like the emotional depressed. And I think all of us can relate to this. I don't, obviously it's not a Stephanie thing, but you know, of that like heaviness, emotional, I'm sensitive, I'm depressed. Everything is overwhelming. My emotions are too strong. Like that was probably the first 15 to 18 years of my life where it felt really heavy. And then eventually I'm like, I mean, I, I, I want to have fun. (laughs) Like I, I just like, (laughs) I want to be happy. Um, so I think I, I got tired of that and to say I had an experience in college where it sort of tipped me over the edge. Um, you know what? And I've never talked about it, but maybe this is the time. Maybe okay, girl. Yes. Maybe this is come out. So there was a decade of my life that I dated women. Mm. And probably my so probably my late my late teens, early or late twenties. And look, it's not, it, my family was really accepting and some of my family wasn't accepting. And I think I, what is it like the rubber meets the road where right. The part of my family that wasn't accepting created that shift that talking about people pleasing, I wasn't pleasing Mm -hmm. them. And I'm like, how dare they not accept me? regardless of, you know, my own personal choices. Right. So I ended up going to therapy for a few years because that really, 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 really hurt me. Like it sort of pierced me that I, that I was not accepted because of my dating choices. And that was the catalyst of then, okay, I want to be happy. What do I need to put in my life? So despite of the choices that I take, even if people disapprove of me, I have a strong foundation and a strong uh, anchoring and grounding for myself because family may reject me Mm -hmm. and I still have a choice that I want to make because that's at the time was what was making me happy. So I think that was the, the sort of like in a very short way, the, the time of like a lot of depression, a lot of sadness, making a decision that people were like, what? And me being like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I don't know. I'm living my life, people. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it either, all right? I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Um, feeling rejected, feeling really, really shitty because I was not pleasing my family members, going to therapy and then being like, I got to live for me and making sure that I'm grounded and anchored because people might disapprove of me and yet I still have to live my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, first, thank you so much for sharing all of that on this show and out there I commend you for that and I think so many people can relate 
And what I want to talk about is what happened when you made that choice to be happy, what started flowing in and what things did you just start naturally doing? Yes. Wow. I mean, that was, I, I don't think anybody has ever asked me that or I thought about that. I think it began to feel like home within myself, mm. right? It's like when my, when my therapist, the one that she's so incredible, she told me, she's like, right now you're like this, where my hands are tied together every single um, decision that I make in my life, I need to check in with like my parents, my family. You are codependent mm -hmm. because you're so wanting to please people. When I be started to do this work, it went from this like a knot tight to a separation where it's like I can still be really close to people and yet there is a separation. Yeah. And that was a big deal because I started making decisions based on what Stephanie thought versus what I, decisions based on what I thought my parents wanted to do, my, you know, my, in my relationship, society and culture. And I think this might be like a lifelong journey for me and many of us yeah. constantly to check in. It's like, am I making this decision because of what society expects of me, what my husband expects of me, what my friends expect of me, my parents, or am I making it because what I because what I want. Yeah. I feel very, obviously I always feel connected to you, but I feel very connected to you right now. And I think that it is so important to remember that visual that you gave of your hands, things being locked and then things being unlocked, but you're still close. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people who go through an experience that you went through come across people who don't want to be that close and who don't who who have that their their hand is in a fist where your hand is open and right. how did you work through that i mean i'm i'm hoping that there were people who open their fist and you know remain close to you but how do you deal with people who do not accept you and who have that perception of you that is false because of their own insecurities or their own perceptions? Like tunnel vision. Yeah. I yeah. mean, with that one experience, there was probably like 90% of my life, uh, people in my life were really, really open and supportive. And then 10% of people were like, you know, you've been possessed. <laughs> um, <sighs> It, it's funny and it's not. It was actually really yeah. hard. But um, the way I dealt with that particular experience is I had to completely close that relationship for that period because I was still in the process of I'm codependent of wanting to please them. And yet it's so, it's, it's like black and white and I want to take a completely different action. So there, that background noise and their thoughts and opinions I, I wasn't able to process both. So the way I had to do it was to say, you know what, I'm totally going to cut ties, which I did for a few years, because right now we're in such different ends of the spectrum. I'm not willing to stop doing what I'm doing and discovering myself because you think of it differently. And I still cannot process and understand where you're coming from. Right. Right. So I had to completely lose, connect, um, close that connection. I think for people right now, if they're not able to do that, or like, I don't want to stop talking to my mom, or I can't stop talking to my parents, or, you know, I, I can't deal with that. It's to say, okay, then 
what are the things that you feel the need to share because you want their opinion, you want their validation, mm -hmm. you want to hear what they have to say. And what are the things that to say, you know what, I want to hear and yet I need to experience it on my own. Right. So maybe you don't take the entire fist and you separate, maybe you take a pinky, right? <laughs> yeah. Like maybe, yeah. you know, like what's that pinky like for you? Maybe. And I say this to people all the time when they start exploring themselves, it's like, well, what are my parents going to say? They may not support me or my family. Do not tell them. Why are you telling them? Yeah. There is no, you just, you are in this feedback loop of wanting to hear their validation or their thoughts. What are they going to think? It's not going to help because yeah. that, you are in conflict right now because you've constantly heard other people's feedback and they're so different than your own. Nobody knows you best than you know you best. Mm -hmm. Right? So yes. Those, yeah. So it's always going back to separate. Do not share until you are fully in alignment with yourself. I did not share my coaching business for a, with a lot of people for a long time. Wow, yeah. Because I was not comfortable. So that's the thing. It's like, keep it to yourself. Let the baby, the idea, the thought, the yeah. whatever it is, get strong. And then when people are like, you're crazy, then you're like, I know, and I'm still doing it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, I think also, I mean, 100%. But I think also what you're talking about is like flexing that muscle and like building that muscle. Yes. What are some ways that you maintain your muscle growth in this, um, like your emotional muscle growth in this area? Like what, what are some things that really help you? So the, you know, going back to that cut and the alcohol, being uncomfortable in that moment for those few seconds while it's singing you are strengthening that muscle right. because the thing that happened, Christina, before the pandemic, we were not building our resilience and our strength and our boundaries because we kept doing the same things. We were on this loop of like, I guess my manager is going to make me work all the time. I guess I work 20 hour days. I guess this is what I do. You weren't building that muscle. You were just allowing yourself to be disrespected, not have any boundaries, do what your parents told you. And it's like, well, I guess that's my life. And now we're in a point that it's like, wait a minute, none of these things make me happy. Let me breathe. Let me start building that muscle. So when you're uncomfortable, when you're not pleasing somebody, okay, I'm I realize I'm not pleasing somebody. I realize that I'm really uncomfortable and yet I'm going to sit with it. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to take art and maybe my parents think art is, you know, crazy. You should focus on your corporate. I'm not going to tell my parents, even though I really want their approval that I'm never going to get. So you build that muscle by doing things that feel really uncomfortable and staying the ground little by little, day by day. And that's how the muscle gets built. Be yeah. in that zone of uncomfortableness. You know, I think that's so important when we're being faced with all of these physical ways that we should be um, taking care of ourselves. Like, green juice or exercising and not that those things aren't great or, um, you know, just like more of the like holistic kind of advertisements. Or like physical of, even. Right. Yes. Like not that those things are great, but I think just having that advice from you, which you do take care of yourself, you post your workouts and stuff online and those things make you feel good. But having that baseline of stay in those stay in that uncomfortable moment and keep incrementally staying I think that applies across all platforms of health 
<laughs> yes. And something I've been doing with my workouts is I've shifted the mindset from this workout is a physical endeavor to this workout is an uh, internal endeavor. Mm -hmm. Because when I don't want to do the last rep, the last push up, the last plank, the last burpee, because it physically hurts. I'm like this, I am like, you know, in some kind of pain, like this is hard. Then I flip it to I'm building my internal resiliency. Because if I know that I can be in that pain and uncomfortable in that workout that I did for 20 minutes, that translates to my mental resiliency. I gave it that extra step. I gave it that extra round. So later on in the day, like I had a couple hours ago, I had a really uncomfortable experience with somebody I know with not people pleasing. I build that muscle earlier in the morning in the workout so I can stand being uncomfortable because I was already uncomfortable two hours ago. And you can so admit that you were uncomfortable. It, well, yes. That's the other thing. Recognizing I feel really uncomfortable right now. Yes. Not, not hold it in. Like I shouldn't feel it's okay. I'm going to, I'm freaking out. I'm rattled by this Yeah. and I'm going to sit with it. Like the alcohol is in the wound and I'm going to let the alcohol sit in it without trying to wipe it off. Totally. I think this goes um, hand in hand with uh, the quote that um, you mentioned in our networking group this week, failure cannot cope with persistence. <sighs> and I love that quote. That quote knocked me on my ass because I was like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, if you're looking at failure <laughs> as this basically this person or this entity mm -hmm. and you're just, and maybe this person or entity is chasing you around. If you're yes. persistent, it can't get you. <laughs> you're not going to get me. You're, yeah. just, just, you're not going to win failure. Yes. Can you talk a bit more about, I mean, I know we talked about this personally, but about that quote, failure cannot cope with persistence and how it applies to your coaching and your oh practice. Oh my goodness. Yes. That quote is incredible. It's by Napoleon Hill. Um, I highly recommend anybody that wants to do mindset work. He is, you know, he's just incredible what, what he's done. Um, look, there's either a failure mentality and consciousness and awareness. No matter what I do, it's not going to work out. I've tried all the diets before. I've tried all the job applications before. I've tried all the things before. It's just, it just doesn't work out for me. Or they can be the success, abundant mentality, awareness, consciousness. So when I bring that to my business, every client that I work out, I don't ever look at my clients like they're broken, something's wrong with them, they can't do it. That's doing them a disservice, mm -hmm. right? I already coming in with saying, they just have to keep persisting in whichever way. There's another window, there's another door to come at through this challenge. We just haven't figured out what it is yet. We've tried that window and that door and that window, yeah. that other door. So now we're going to try that one because that one we've never knocked on that window and see how it is. Yeah. So if you're persistent enough in whichever area in your life, whether it's again, like health or physical or mental, or you still haven't figured out what your purpose is, keep knocking because eventually the answer will come. Failure, yeah. this entity is going to be like, I'm exhausted. Like, fine go at it. You win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember the, this quote about Thomas Edison and it took him 2000 tries to figure out the light bulb. And he said, I didn't fail 
2,000 times. It took me 2,000 attempts to understand how to make a light bulb. I, I literally got goosebumps when you said that. And it's so true. I mean, I think it's really hard to keep going when things aren't working out. And when it's not, when the expectation isn't what is actually happening. <laughs> when you try something and it didn't go your way. Uh, but I think what, from what I'm hearing you say, you have to keep going because if you look at failure and it can't cope with persistence, it's such a great reminder that failure isn't the end. It's not the end of the book. It's yeah. just your story is continuing. And absolutely. One thing I want to talk to you about, which I think is like weaves throughout your entire work and your personality and everything that you do is energy healing and the energy that you're bringing to your life or the energy you're feeling around you. You and I are both very um, empathetic people and um, we can feel a lot of energy around us all the time in general. And I think that also comes with like the people pleasing aspect of our lives. Um, can you talk about how you got into energy healing and what brought you to that modality? Yes. Um, energy. I mean, I think since I was a kid, I've always felt more than just what I see, right? So whether it's like you said, empathetic, you're feeling other people, like if you read something or somebody, you know, falls and you're like, oh my God, they must be in so much pain. Like you literally feel that mm -hmm. pain or that emotion. So that always was part of me, but it was always, it was never welcomed. Not like it was rejected, but you know, it wasn't necessarily the, the theme um, of me growing up. So I always felt like a little bit uh, as an outsider. And, um, and then I started to figure out like, okay, how can I, like, I still feel this way, even if nobody around me feels this way, mm -hmm. you know? So there has to be something in here. The biggest thing that created that shift and that difference in my life is when I was younger, my mom passed away yeah. and, um, and you know, we're, we're going all in, in this episode yeah, and um, <laughs> she's so incredible, but I was like, you know what? There has to be a way for me to connect with her and be in touch with her even though she's not here in the physical world. Like it can't just be like, she's gone. All right, I'll just like never see you again. And because I was always so empathetic, that's really the reason why I started to like learn about it, read about it, teach myself about mm -hmm. it. I was so thirsty for that connection right. that I'm like, there, that has to exist. So it almost felt like a sixth sense, but that's really the reason why I started doing this work when I shifted and created my business, initially, I'm like, I can't talk about energy healing. People are not going to think I'm serious. They're not going to want to hire me. They're going to think I've lost it. And um, it took me a good year after I started my business to actually accept it and realize that the people that this connects and resonates with, they're going to love it. And the people that don't, they won't. And yeah. that's also okay. Like I'm not for everybody. So I'm connected with the people that, that are excited to bring that into their lives. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. And I 100% agree. I think that we hear so many times that 
we have to act a certain way or do a certain way, have our business model be a certain way. But the people who um, connect with what you're doing will find you and they will be, I mean, that's why I love working with you because I feel like there's this uh, image of a coach that like a life coach that comes to mind that might not be viewed in a very positive way. And I've, ex- I've been around a lot of coaches that are doing wonderful work, but they might not be for me. Mm-hmm. But when I met you, I felt like, oh, you're just so authentic and you bring that authenticity to your practice. And so I think you're speaking on something that is very important, um, that you can be yourself and people will be okay with that. <laughs> yes. Ah. Oh. Isn't that so incredible? And thank you for saying that. But that plays in every area of our lives. Like when we're in relationships, right? Like we always Mm want to be a certain way. So they like us at the beginning. Oh my God. I was like, I love punk rock. I love metal. And like, I do, but it was like, I was like, I don't give a crap really. Like I like it, but it's not like my life. But it's fine. Right. Like I don't need to. At the beginning, we're like, sure, I'll go to a metal concert or whatever it is with you and then you're like oh, you know but <laughs> once we start <laughs> my ears are bleeding um but the more we become ourselves the more we start attracting whether it's in business or personal people that are be able to compliment us and we have synergy and flow with instead of like it's so exhausting to always have to pretend right? Like, oh, let me pretend to be this. Let me pretend to be perfect. Let me pretend to be this. Then you surround yourself and you're in an environment you constantly have to be pretending, which by the way, that's why most of us are constantly exhausted because we're constantly trying to level up and be somebody else's expectations instead of being like, you know what? I do wear sweatpants every day. Or you know what? I like (laughs) country music or I don't like this. And then we attract the people that are in flow and in synergy and we have beautiful chemistry with, and it makes everything so much easier and enjoyable. Yeah. What was that moment like when you stepped into being that authentic self around energy healing, around the spiritual work that you're doing and bringing it into your business? I mean, Christina, it felt first of all, like 20 pounds off my back. I was driving myself crazy for a year trying to, first of all, like, how do I bring it together? How do I pitch it? Do I have two websites? Did it like it was just like a constant mm. mental battle. Um, when I was able to actually voice it and step into it, I felt so much more relief from it to be able to like the clients that came to me also were a different caliber because I was able to talk to them about something that's so part of my coaching. Look, not all of my clients do energy healing. And yeah. I'm always like, you don't have to. Here's an option. Like it can be just coaching. Great. The ones that have never done it before and I let them like taste it, they're always like, can we do that energy healing thing today? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which I love because I'm like, yes, they're able to see that difference and feel that difference and realize that we are not just physical. Do you know that out of a hundred percent that we are as a person, 10% is our physical body. Mm -hmm. It's a tiny, it's like a little part of your nail. It's like where 90% of who we are is our energy and our spiritual component of it. So it's like when you tap into that in which you are made of, then you're like, Oh, I I get it. And that's also part of my mission. Like how do we begin to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Debunk energy healing. That's not like this, you know, dark witchy 
black magic thing that we do in the middle of the forest where it's like, <laughs> right? Like any of us can do it. Any of us have the ability. How do we debunk it? So everybody has access to it. I don't have any more special powers than anybody. I've just have tapped into it. So now it's second nature. Yeah. Can you talk about what exactly you're tapping into? Like what exactly is energy healing? And I know you do angel readings and things like this. Like what exactly are you talking about? I love that question. Yeah. So if we make it in a tangible way, first of all, really quieting the mind and, you know, and this comes with practices, like you get to quiet the mind and I actually get to feel the energy around us goes out to almost 20 feet outside our bodies. Right. So it's literally, um, if, if you're boiling a pot of water and you put your finger on it, once it gets hot, you feel it's hot versus it's cold. So it's almost like I'm sticking your, my finger <laughs> into that, that, that pot of energy of water that you're constantly surrounded with. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to bring the, the universal intelligence, the energy that created worlds, that created mountains, that created trees, that created literally the world. There is an energy that's always around us. So the way it works is I am just a channel. I have one finger into the energy of the universe that anybody, like anybody can feel. You know when you, maybe you're on vacation or you're looking at your husband or you're thinking of this beautiful memory and you're like, ah, everything is perfect with the world. Like, do you ever, yeah. you know that feeling I'm talking yeah. about? That's the energy of the universe. So with one finger, I'm tapping into that energy that's limitless, that's joyful, that's loving, that's all the beauty. With the other finger, I'm tapping into the energy of the person. And then I'm just a channel that's a conduit from one energy to the other. So mm -hmm. that way this person that's totally depleted of the energy of the world can feel like resapped, like they've replugged into the energy of the world and they begin to feel better because that's the energy in which we are all created by. Does that make sense? Did I kind of yeah. just lose you? Did I make it? I want to make sure that that's, no, that's like the best way I can I'm here. I think that's great. And can you talk about, on top of that, the spiritual work that you do around like angel readings and things like that? Ah, oh, angel readings is so beautiful. So angel readings also started because of my mom of like, she's my angel, my guardian angel. And I'm like, how do I connect? How do I talk to her? Like, even though I can't see her face, I can feel her. So it just started it on my own. Um, then I would do it with friends and family. And I was very much in the, in the spiritual closet um, because I just thought people were going to think it was so weird. Um, and little by little, I started just being more open about it, right? Like maybe I'll start sharing it with these kind of like my corporate friends that I would never talk mm -hmm. to them about it. And maybe they want to talk to the people that have passed away in their lives. You know, maybe they yeah. want to connect with their loved ones. So a lot of times what I do is either people that have loved ones that have passed and they want to get messages from them or the other ways we all have angels. We all have these amazing group of cheerleaders on the other side that are with us all of the time and they're guarding us. They're protecting us. They're, they're making sure that it's like, okay, we're good. Mm -hmm. Right. So with angel readings, you're literally able to tap into your angels and be like, listen, I need some guidance. I need some clarity. So the one thing I would say about angels, if we never have a reading together, you can still, anybody can talk to their angels. 
But the one thing I will say is you have to be very open because angels are so respectful of your willpower and who you are. They're not going to come in and help you unless you ask. Mm. So when you want to talk to your angels, be like, listen, angels, I know you're around me. Show me the way. And once you give them the green light, then they're going to come through. And the way they come through, they're super playful. So it's either going to be through your thoughts or through your emotions. So they might be like, oh, Christina, start that podcast. And you're like, oh, yes. Or maybe like you get a call from a friend that you haven't talked to in a while and it completely lifts up your spirits, right? Or you hear a song that makes you feel really good. So that's the way they start talking to us and communicating with us. Um, So angels are super playful and anybody can have access to them whenever they want. You just have to make sure to ask. So if somebody wanted to work with you with energy healing or angel readings, because I know you do have clients that just like come to you for angel readings and just come to you for energy healing. How would somebody go about working with you first and foremost? Yes. The the best way possible. Look, I, you can hire me anytime you want tomorrow, even if we've never met before. Like I've had people that find me online and they hire me and it's great. The other part is to have a, a conversation, right? It's a 15 minute conversation. Like, Hey, what, what are you looking to get from this? Like, I'm not a psychic. I am not here to heal. I cannot heal you, <laughs> right? Like, I'm just here to offer you energy um, that and open up the channels for you in order for you to tap into that. So yeah. the best way is I always tell people, come and hang out with me on Instagram. Get to know me through that channel. I show up there all the time. You're able to get to know my personality a little bit better. You can go to my website. You can literally book a session. I have clients that every two weeks I do angel readings with them. Because they want to get the clarity. They want to get the guidance. They want to make sure they're on the right track. And honestly, it feels so good. Like after a call, you're just like, mm, like you're hanging yeah. out in your bathtub or you're hanging out in your bed and everything feels cozy, you know? So go to my website, come follow me on air, hang out with me on Instagram and let's get to know each other. I love that. I've actually done an angel reading with you and it was very, very cool. Yeah. And there were moments where I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's weird. Um, <laughs> And it's something that I think people, what I love about your practice is that you are a very um, like type A person in a lot of aspects of your life. And when it comes to business, you are a business person, you are in it and you are an incredibly spiritual person. And I think you're a great example that you don't have to be one thing. Um, You can be yourself like Mm -hmm. we're talking about, and you can be very, very successful. Um, before before we wrap it up, I want to ask you about, because we talked about this last time, but I want to ask you about the allies that you have in your life um, and the people who have made these difficult periods um, in your life either easier or not easier, but the people you can go to when you're having a difficult time. Um, and the people you can talk to um, maybe when you're having a vulnerable moment or a moment of shame and they're not going to judge you or that that mm-hmm. perception is not going to be there of, of a negative perception. Um, obviously, you don't have to name names, but who are some of those people and um, what are some of their characteristics so people can, maybe people listening can um, look at their allies and, and either reassess or 
um, be thankful for who they have. So who are some of your allies in your life? Mm, I love that. Well, first of all, you are definitely, to name people, I'm going to out you, Christina. <laughs> Aww, you are definitely an ally in my life. Absolutely. Me too, I mean, for, for so, so many different reasons. Um, I think I love the question about characteristics. I think what the way I gauge is when I'm talking to Mary, am I censoring myself? Am I, am, I, am I trying to people please her? Am I trying to hold space for her and make her comfortable? Am I feeling judged by her? Or do I feel like I can call you bawling and be like, oh my goodness, I just messed up or I'm feeling really shameful mm. or I just need to cry. And I don't even think about, can they do it? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to have that reaction? So that's when that like internal GPS, that intuition comes up. Like I'm already, am I, am I censoring myself at all? Or do I feel like regardless of what I share, they're still going to love me at the end of the call. And I think that's a really important audit and inventory to do in your life at any time. I think the friends and the allies in my life right now, and I think for many people are very different than in high school and college and so yeah. forth. I think I've realized that I am a people pleaser and I can still rely on people. I think I spend most of my life thinking mm -hmm. I need to be strong. I should be able to rely on myself. I don't want to be a burden. I'm too much. Right. And then when I actually open up the door to say, yeah, but they're also strong enough. They can hold my problems. Right. I am not too much. If I hold it in that wound that we're talking about earlier, it's going to get infect, infected versus mm -hmm. if I open the door and if I share it, we're able to hold each other in the process. So I think most importantly is, do I feel judged by them? Do I feel that I'm censoring myself? And I think when either of those come to play, don't blame them. <laughs> think about you. Why am I censoring with this person? And then you reassess, is it them? They are very judgmental. Or is it me holding back? Right. And I think that's something that is a lifetime journey, like you said. Absolutely. Um, on your website, you have your tagline as become the most joyful version of yourself, which I think we've definitely talked about throughout this episode in detail. Um, but before we wrap up, I want to touch on your program, The Joy Method, because mm -hmm. I know that it is it has been so meaningful for me because I took the inaugural session of The Joy Method. It was really wonderful. Can you talk about the joy method, how that came about and how people can find joy in their lives with you? <laughs> yes. Listen, when I left corporate, I realized that there was a way to create and, um, and, and have a joyful life. Like I think for the longest time I had that mentality that life is hard and the life has to be hard. And then when I shifted that is to say, challenging things happen in life a hundred percent. And yet you can still have and live and lead a joyful life. Mm. So the Joy Method is my group coaching program and it's absolutely beautiful. And it came maybe, you know what? I'm, we're going to leave a little teaser because I love to have another episode <laughs> on how it came about because I think yeah. that's going to be a longer story. And, and I love maybe for the, this podcast to be the channel for that. Um, but the Joy Method is an eight-week group coaching program that in essence, you're able to take inventory of every area in your life, money, boundaries, habits, self-care, releasing the past, 
right? Those wounds that you'll be holding on so tight, like remove that bandaid, letting it breathe. Also getting clear on what you want your life to look at. Most yeah. of us are so focused on, I don't want this in my life. I don't want this in my life. I for sure don't want that in my life. But if you were to ask, well, what do you want? They're like, I don't know. I just know I don't want that. <laughs> so part of the joy <laughs> method is like getting really clear on like, what kind of egg do you eat, right? Like, who are you? And through eight weeks, we go through that program with an incredible community of supportive. It's a very intimate, it's a small group of people because I, wanna, I want it to be high touch. I want to make sure that you're getting that attention. So the Joy Method opens up four times a year. Um, I'm currently in the middle of the second round this year. So the next round is going to open up on July 2020. So go to my website, sign up, um, and you'll get more information if you want to be part of this incredible journey. Lastly, I would say the Joy Method stands, Joy stands for the journey of you. Right. So it's literally going through the journey of you and you rediscovering yourself and figuring out like who you are and who you want to be. I love it, Stephanie. So one last question, as we're all in this crazy time, we've talked about becoming the most joyful version of ourselves. What is one thing that somebody can do to bring joy into their life right now? Ask yourself that literally. (laughs) I can tell you. Ask yourself in this moment, how can I bring myself joy right now? And don't judge it. It might be dancing, it might be taking a shower, it might be yoga, it might be sleeping, it might be reading, it might, I don't know. But literally ask yourself that and follow that answer. I have no idea. You need to, know. <laughs> you need to do that for you. <laughs> Amen. Stephanie, I just love you. I love you. This was so incredible. So, so great. Thank you for coming back on and sharing so many wonderful pieces of information with our listeners and for being my ally and for empowering me to take this step. So I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful to know you and grateful that people can hear about your journey and your business. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and you are incredible. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you. And if you want to find Stephanie, you can go to her website. It'll be in the description. Um, But what is your website really quickly? Yes, it's Stephanie Vershow. It's not going to be easy, so go to the description, figure out. And, <laughs> and my Instagram, my handle is the same one, at Stephanie Vershow. So check it out in that description and come hang out. Perfect. And um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at Grown Woman Pod, and we'll be linking Stephanie's information on our Instagram as well. Thank you again, Stephanie. Thank you, Christina. Um, uh, <laughs>